Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Hi, welcome to our next guest, the wonderful Bob Frady. Um, I'm so excited to have you here, Bob. We've had some connections of going back and forth to get you on the podcast. So I'm really glad that you're here. Well, the the things worth having are the things worth fighting for, I suppose. <laughs> right? <laughs> so well, let's get to it because it's a short podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey and where you are today. Sure. I am the CEO and co-founder of a company called Hazard Hub. Uh, we tell you all the bad stuff that can happen to a property. And actually, our company grew out of a bad a, a bad thing happening to a friend of ours' property where their house flooded. And so we decided to build, and they, they had no idea they were in a flood prone zone. So we decided to build the company to help expose that to people and to let them know what the risks are around their property. And we're, we're five years into it now that we're entering our fifth year, I should say, and we're starting to get some really good traction in the space and, and having fun and not having to tell anybody Nobody can tell us what to do, which is the best part of all. Well, what um, what has changed since the beginning of creating your business and the initial uh, reason why you created it? What ha- what kind of services have you added on and learned about since beginning starting your business? Well, initially, when we started the business, we thought we were going to be focused on the consumer market, and what we found out is that that's a very difficult market to do when you're bootstrapped. So we pivoted slightly and went after the business to business market. And now we serve insurance companies and inspection companies and reporting companies. Uh, We provide them with the data that they use to inform their customers. So it was a pivot from a B2C to a B2B model um, that really uh, was a fundamental change in our business that we made fairly early on uh, because we couldn't couldn't figure out what we were doing in the B2C space. We're like, let's go back to what we know. Was it just harder to get um, clients that way versus going to a um, commercial company and uh, they have them there? Well, I, I think that everybody's good at something. Very few people are good at everything. True. And what, we're, what we were really good at was B2B, um, you know, dealing directly with companies rather than dealing with consumers. And so we just decided, you know, frankly, we're too old to learn a new skill set. So we went back to what we knew um, and were able to build a really great business um, by focusing on our strengths rather than trying to shore up our weaknesses. Absolutely, which is super smart, which is how you do succeed in business. So what challenges are you and your competitors facing in your industry right now? Well, you know, the, the, the challenge you always face as a startup is getting known, especially when you're working with insurance businesses. You know, insurance businesses are inherently risk averse, and to work with the startup is a risky proposition. So you've got this—you've got this sort of two conflicting 
um, goals here, you know, to be safe. And then you have to work with these startups who might have better answers and better uh, approaches, but it's risky. So most of our um, challenge and most of the challenges faced by other insured tech startups is getting known and getting people comfortable uh, with using you to become a safe source of, of, um, uh, of content rather than a risky one. That's, that's really the biggest challenge of all um, as an insured tech startup is getting to that safe zone. And we're finally getting there. It's taken a while, but we're getting there. <laughs> what are some of the secrets that you can share with our audience on how you managed to do that? You know, the only way to really get there is to prove yourself. You know, you can't expect people to take your word for it. So for us, the way we do it is we do two things really well. The first is that we constantly publish uh, on social media using our data to, you know, for example, there's been a big, um, let's say there was a, a wildfire in an area. We can tell you what the inherent risk of that is, and we'll publish that. Uh, useful pieces of information to the industry and you keep publishing enough useful pieces of information to the industry. And finally the industry says, well, we need to talk to these people so that, and you don't have to do it using paid media. You can use free media like LinkedIn or Twitter or, you know, whatever the channels are that work for you. Um, So that's the first thing. And the second thing is we allow customers to test our product for free. Um, it's like, it's a limited duration test. It's a smaller scope, but it lets them, it's like a test drive for a car. You know, you wouldn't buy a car without a test drive. Why would you buy from an insure tech without test driving the, their, their product? So we've built an infrastructure that allows us to do that very, very simply. Now it does require that you're patient. Um, but we, we kind of knew that going in a lot of patience is what you need to be successful in this industry and enough of a ramp to make sure that you don't starve in the meantime. So a lot of people think you just start and you know what you know and you're good at it. But when you first put this product out and sent out some samples, what were some of the the moments of, oh my God, we screwed up and then you course correct really quick? Well, I think the the consumer versus B2B focus was where we're like, oh boy, you know, we, we, we could go down the consumer path, which is very expensive, and we don't have a lot of money. So let's stick to what we know. We can always go back to that market, but for right now, let's stick to what we know. That was really the biggest pivot that we made altogether because we just couldn't get the traction quickly enough to make sure that we didn't run out of money. Um, and that was really the biggest decision that we made. But other than that, you know, our planning has been pretty spot on. We've done, we've done something similar before. Um, you know, we really knew the market that we were going into. We knew what to expect and our, our projections have been pretty spot on from where we expect it to be. Although it has been a lot more painful than, than I had anticipated going in, but that's what you get when you build a business, you know, get a little bit of stress. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Uh, all the changes that happen along the way that people don't see and um, especially new business owners who are building and they're like, Oh, I don't understand how people are so successful. Well, they just kind of keep plugging away. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, the, it's the, it's the grind, you know, the, I think that, you know, the industry falls in love with the sort of overnight success story, but 
just like sort of in music or in comedy or any of the entertainment worlds, the real overnight successes are rare. Uh, even with young people, there's still a number of years that they put in on the grind and then become successful. Um, so you got to grind. It, nothing beats. You can always outwork your competition. Or if, if you're going to compete, find a competitor who isn't very good at the grind and just compete, just outwork <laughs> them and, and, and take their business away. You know, if they're not serving their customers properly, then do a better job and, and give a more compelling offer and you'll win. That's a great tip. That is so true. That That is a great tip. Yeah. My kids are like, dad, you're always working. I'm like, well, I'm always thinking about work. So, you know, that's, it's true. You know, and and not everybody's cut out for that. And that's okay if you're not cut out for that. But if you are cut out for that, it gives you an incredible advantage over people who aren't. Absolutely. Um, I like your go-giver approach. It's like give, give, give. And it's the same thing with you're giving to the other competitor's client the thing that they want that the competitor's not giving. So it's just all about giving and serving, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very servant-focused leadership uh, style where we're nothing without our clients. You know, we listen, we create great products, but a product without a client is just another failed business. So you have to make sure that you are doing the best job that you can within the limitations that you have for your business um, to serve your clients. Like I can't take my clients to the Super Bowl, you know, I can't afford that, but other people try to do that stuff. You know, I, 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 at one point I would love to, but you know, we can't right now. So that's a parameter that we don't have. So what are the parameters that we do have? It's like, well, when you call us, you talk to us. That's a parameter that we have. Uh, so we're always open to talk to our customers and to respond to our customers as quickly as we can. And that's a real competitive advantage, you know, and, and so people can say, Oh, I don't have this and I don't have that. And I don't have this. And, and frankly, you can focus on what you don't have all day long and, and completely be surrounded by people who are like, yeah, you don't have that. But what the winners do, excuse me, the people who are successful do is they focus on what they do have. So you focus on what you do have and you maximize that and don't worry about what you don't have because you know what? You don't have it. You can't control it. So focus on what you do have and maximize that as much as you can. That's the way that we've been able to be successful. That is great advice, Bob. So the other part of being successful is hiring the talent for your agency and um, those people that are going to be serving your clients. How many people do you have on staff and how do you um, manage your organization as a leader? We have 10 full-time on staff. We have another 10 contractors that we work with. And because we're self-funded, we always work behind the curve. So we won't hire somebody until we know that we can support them financially because I don't want to hire a bunch of people just to fire them six months later. That's not fair. It's not right. It's just a very, it's a nasty thing to do to people and we don't want to do it so um we go behind the curve and we'll use contractors um until we get to the point where it's like okay now we can support this and we'll hire people in we've been very fortunate so far uh in that we have i don't want to say stumbled across but we found a number of people who have been wonderful additions to our team you know you our initial team was three people then we jumped to five, then we jumped to seven, and now we're up to 10. It's like outside of those first five, we don't know these people. You know, they're, I mean, we do now, but they're not friends and family. 
these are people who come to us and choose to work with us. So um, talent is, is important. Talent, but, but talent by itself is not important. Talent in a structure that allows that talent to thrive, that's what's important. So one of the things that we think that we do pretty well is we, um, we give people opportunities to do things and to see the results of their work and to feel like there's part of something important, not just a cog in the machine. And, and that's a really compelling environment for a lot of people to work in. Like we have, we have uh, one person who joined us uh, and who worked for the government. And we had a chat the other day and he's like, I'm running ahead of this. I'm like, yeah, it's because you don't have 18 people trying to tell you what to do. It's like, here's the, here's the, here's the job. Go do it. Figure it out. And he did. He's like, yeah, because it, it's, I don't have review meeting after review meeting after review meeting. I'm like, yeah, gets in the way of doing work. So talent's important, but the right environment for that talent to thrive, that's really important. And that's another thing that you can control. Like sometimes you can't necessarily, you can't get the talent that you want down to the T of what you want. But what you can do is to create an environment where talent thrives and wants to be part of. And that's the other thing that we try to do really well. I love that. So it sounds like you take people's ideas and those ideas help you build your business because, you know, taking only your ideas as the leader limits you to where with all of these other employees and listening to their ideas helps you grow better and faster, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, there's a combination of things. You know, we call it the Delphi method where you talk things out. And really the the, the problem that most businesses seem to make or many businesses seem to make when faced with technological issues is the business doesn't do a great job of defining what they actually want from their technology teams. And the technology teams are kind of like, I need more specific instructions. So we spend a lot of time saying, okay, here's an idea. Here's the, here's the high level goal of what we want to accomplish. Now let's all figure out how we can contribute to making that overall, overall thing happen. You know, my, my responsibility is to sort of be the final arbiter of that. But I'm always open to good ideas. So if my team members have an idea about how to do something more efficiently, I'm like, go. Not so pro- I'm not so tied up in the, in the ownership that I forget the big picture. Because a lot of times, you know, business owners will win the battles because they want to control everything, but they'll lose the game because they're, they've taken their eye off the big picture. You know, so, um, yeah, getting input from a lot of people and, and knowing those people feel like they're part of the solution is energizing for everyone. Absolutely. I love that. I love the way that you go about that. What are some of the things that are helping you move from point A to point B more quickly? Well, it's, it's not, it's not a matter of quick, um, but but what happens is that things build upon themselves. So when we talk about publishing things to the industry, you know, the first 50 times you do something, you don't necessarily see a result from it. But the 500th time you do something, you tend to see a result from it. So because of, it's like it's like layers, you know, they build up upon each other. And if if you don't do the basics, then there's nothing to build on. So one of the things that we've seen that has accelerated our growth is we're so repetitive, or not repetitive, but we're so consistent in 
giving pieces of information to the industry that now we have a whole history of things. So if you go to our Twitter feed or our LinkedIn feed, you can see hundreds of entries that we've done. And it gives people the ability to move closer to us faster because now they've got a history that they can read. And so all of this work that we put in, all of this sort of training and hard work that we've put in in the background helps to accelerate things because now people don't have to wonder, well, are these guys for real? Um, it's, it's like, it's like anything. It's like, you know, if you're really fast and you are on the track team in high school, you know, you might, you might win a race, you might finish second in a race. Um, and that's great. But if you're fast and you work really hard and train really hard, you'll be faster than you would if you don't. So that training in the background, that constant work, that grind is what helps to accelerate things over time. But it doesn't come right away. You know, it takes time and it takes effort. And a lot of people are scared off by that time and effort. And we're not. We're lucky. You know, that's a competitive advantage for us because we're not scared of it. Congratulations, because that is that's what I've seen over and over again is just that that grind, the patience, and just consistently moving ahead, never stopping. It, it really makes you a know, big pe- difference. People get upset when you know people badmouth OCD, but sometimes OCD is really good um, <laughs> be, because it it makes you focus. You know, and and uh, as my as my parents would tell you, sometimes little Bobby's a little focused, and it's like yeah. It's because that focus really helps you to, to, to get through things. And, you know, listen, some people have a tremendously serious problem and I'm not trying to make light of anything, but a little obsession is not such a bad thing. Um, you know, we've collected 11 million fire hydrants across the U S and, and I can't go anywhere without saying, Hey, there's a hydrant and taking a picture of it. And, and Your family's like, it, Oh my God, another oh, fire hydrant. <laughs> oh, I, it, 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 we were driving back from a soccer tournament in Phoenix when we first started doing this. And I said to my kids, I'm like, okay, every time you see a hydrant, yell out hydrant. And after like three miles, my wife was like, you're a jerk. You are just a jerk. <laughs> but now we have coverage for Scottsdale. So it worked out pretty good. I love that. My husband's a general contractor. So it's like, I helped build that bridge. You see that bridge and there's the tensions and we're all just like, yep. just yep. stop. Just stop. Yep. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tell people, I tell my clients, I'm like, I love talking to somebody who actually cares about this stuff because my family's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> you're, it's like uh, your grandpa who tells the st- same story over and over again, right? I say you move, you move to that place over there. That water's going to come up, and you're going to have lightning. It's going to be terrible. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I understand. I'm, I'm that guy. You know, it, it, sure. we like to joke. We like to joke around that. Um, we're terrible to bring to parties because all we'll do is tell you what the bad things are that can happen to your property. <laughs> it's like, nope. That. True party poopers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, better great. that you know than you don't know because here's what happens. You know, when people don't know, they get surprised. And when they get surprised, they can't prepare. And when they don't prepare, sometimes the ending is not good. You know, we we have a a wildfire issue here in the Western States. And if people aren't aware of the danger, they react too slowly. And if they react too slowly, they can end up in a very bad spot. 
And we hate to see that happen because they should know what these things are. To know sometimes it's best just to get out. And and people too often aren't fully aware of the danger around their property. And that's our mission to help them understand what that is so they can take the proper precautions when the time comes. Yeah. So it's and really it's, important to us to be able to do that. Yeah. I live in Florida, so hurricane state and, and I was an in insurance. Um, it amazes yep. me how unprepared a lot of Floridians are. So it's the same yep. as fires. It's like, I don't understand. We have hurricanes every single year. Yeah. Get a reinforced roof, you know, uh, and, and people don't. Now, luckily, Florida's been good about changing their building codes, but it took a long time for that to really start to work itself into how people build properties. And and but Florida also has a tremendous lightning risk. You know, you, you know, you go outside, you see lightning problem almost every day. Yet, do, do people have a surge suppressor on their house? And a lot of times they don't. And if they don't, and then the lightning happens, and all the electronics fry out, they're like, "What happened?" It's like, "Oh, you know." Could have we could have taken care of that, but again, easy fix too. Yeah, it is, and it's but it's it's still surprising how many people just don't know, and because it doesn't happen every day. Once it happens, once your property gets hit by lightning and all your electronics fry out, you're the first person in line for the surge suppressor. Like that, you you could move to Maine, and you're like, I'm going to get a surge suppressor on this house. You know, you darn tootin'. Yeah. Well, Bob, this has been, a, I've had a great time talking with you and I know our listeners have learned a lot. How can they um, connect with you? Well, there's two ways. The first is that if you want to find out the dangers for, or the, the perils for your property, go to www.freehomerisk. That's protector. That's my puppy protector over there. It's like, you know, you try to, you go to www.freehomerisk.com type in your address. You can get a report for your address. There's no charge, no salesperson will call. You'll get a nice follow-up email from me. But other than that, you know, we want you to know, but if you need this for your business, then come to us at free at hazardhub.com and check out what we have. You know, if you like it, great. If you don't, that's great too. You know, not everybody loves us, but most people kind of like us a little bit. So um, yeah, those are the two ways. Free home risk to get a report for your property and Hazard Hub to come and learn about what we can deliver for your company. Great. Those are great value adds right there. So definitely go visit his websites. Um, You need to, I promise you, even if you think that you probably are okay, you probably need to go visit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, 
or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.